You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, A whole bunch of Savage Love listeners alerted me over the weekend to a 19-year-old chess prodigy, Hans Nyman, who beat a chess grandmaster at a prestigious tournament. I was alerted via text, email, and DM, but not, sadly, via remote-controlled vibrating anal beads. Nyman was accused of cheating. The thought was he had some sort of device on him, a wire or something, and moves were being sent to him by someone or something, a supercomputer, observing the match. After Neiman was searched by officials and no secret wires or devices were found on his person, another theory emerged. The device wasn't on his person. It was in his person. Vibrating anal beads. The theory was floated on Reddit by an anonymous user. Neiman had cheated at chess for years by having his next move fed to him via vibrating anal beads or suppositoried to him via vibrating anal beads. That was the theory. Reading about that, that was the accusation. Reading about this theory, this accusation, I thought this is either the Queen's Gambit sequel we didn't expect with butt toys instead of blue and green pills, or it's the Ratatouille reboot we didn't want instead of the rat that wants to make oat cuisine, it's a gerbil that wants to play elite level chess and instead of hiding under a chef's hat, that gerbil hides in. Anyway, the chess prodigy cheating with vibrating anal bead story went viral because of course it did. But there are more possible moves in a chess game than there are grains of sand on all the beaches on the planet. Now, I don't know if that's true about chess moves or grains of sand, but I read that on the internet a minute ago and I'm not going to verify it. Just like a whole bunch of reporters heard about a teenager winning a chess match over the weekend with the help of vibrating anal beads and didn't attempt to verify that before pushing it out. But if anyone who wrote up this story for Deadspin or Der Spiegel or NPR or the New York Times or a million other legit news organizations, if anyone who'd written this story up had bothered to check with anyone who'd ever had remote-controlled vibrating anal beads in their ass, my contact info is right there on my website, they would have known that vibrating anal beads are a blunt instrument. There's an on switch, an off switch, and you can adjust the intensity just a little bit. But trying to use vibrating anal beads to communicate about something as complicated as a chess move with all those possible moves, all those grains of sand, yeah, that did not happen. That could not happen. Also, vibrating anal beads are relatively loud. You can't hear them in a club over the music or in a restaurant over the din. But during the hush of a chess match or a golf game or the Latin mass, you could hear those things. But because no one checked, this poor kid, this poor little chess prodigy is going to live under a cloud of suspicion for the rest of his life. He is always going to be the vibrating anal bead chess cheater. Another story that didn't make as much news last week, crazy how that vibrating anal beads chess cheating story managed to break through during the week of Elizabeth II's funeral, and this story did not. But a candidate for office in Canada was outed. Trigger warning to my French listeners in France and French-speaking Canada, all over the world, I am about to butcher some French names. Forgive me. 
A 22-year-old politician in Canada, Andrian Fiola, was outed after she was recognized in a short porn clip that had been posted to OnlyFans and Pornhub. The film was apparently made with her knowledge and posted with her consent. She wore a mask in the film because she wanted to remain anonymous, but she had a recognizable tattoo and some asshole recognized it and ran to some shitty newspaper run by assholes that I will not name. The good news here, the leader of her party, Parti Québécois, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon, I apologize again for butchering all these names and all these words, the leader of her party, of Fiola's party, stood by her and rejected calls for her to drop out of the race. Plamondon condemned the outing, compared it to revenge porn, and then added, who hasn't watched porn? Let them cast the first stone. I wish Fiola herself had been as fierce in her own defense. She released a statement saying, among other things, I apologize to those around me. I would never make a similar choice again. This is really the I smoked, but I didn't inhale of appearing in porn. For my younger listeners, Bill Clinton was asked about pot use when he ran for president in 1992. And he said this. And when I was in England, I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale and never tried it again. No one believed Clinton when he looked into the camera and said, I did not have psychotropic relations with that wacky tobacco, Miss Marijuana. But it was at the time what a politician had to say, even though everyone knew it was a lie. It was a lie that everyone agreed or almost everyone agreed a politician had to tell. The idea being if a politician was honest about using drugs and enjoying the experience without getting addicted and dying, some kids out there in their dare classes might decide to go ahead and use drugs anyway, give them a try and enjoy them just as much, but get addicted and die. When Barack Obama ran for president in 2008, he admitted to smoking pot and inhaling. He described inhaling as the whole point of smoking pot, but then he added it was a youthful mistake. Now, of course, both Clinton and Obama support the legalization of recreational marijuana. Fiola can't now say about making porn what Clinton couldn't say in 1992 about smoking pot. She enjoyed it. She has to frame it like Obama did in 2008 as a mistake, a mistake she has to apologize for. But it's clear from the timing here. She made the video of this FFM threesome less than a year ago, after she started her political career. Seems to me clear from the timing that making porn wasn't something she was doing under duress. I think it's safe to assume it was something she did for fun, and she only came to regret it after some asshole spotted her tattoo and ratted her out and ruined her good time. Zooming out for a second, if you're going to complain, and almost everybody out there recently has complained about our democratic gerontocracy, people of all ages like to complain about the gerontocracy. Joe Biden is 79, Nancy Pelosi is 82, Dianne Feinstein is not at home if you want to see younger people running for office, winning elections, having power, shaping the future, younger people, particularly on the more sexually liberated left, yeah, you're going to have to get used to this. We're all going to have to get used to politicians not just having sexted privately in the past and those sex possibly getting leaked, but politicians having made and shared a little porn too, possibly even on a site like Pornhub. Young people, digital natives, people who grew up showing off online, people whose 
entire erotic lives have been shaped by and mediated through technology for good or ill, those same young people, lots of them, they like to show off. Lots of people do. People also like being naughty. People like taking risks. Not just men, women too. And lots of people out there make porn for fun and profit or a little of both. And that's how we want porn made, right? Ideally, not by people who were coerced into making porn by shitty partners and not by people who were coerced into making porn by shitty economic circumstances. As I've long said, if you don't want people making porn or doing sex work because they have no other options, because they're broke, support a guaranteed minimum income, social housing, Medicare for all, then all our porn will be made by pros who love the job and feel fulfilled by it professionally, or by amateurs who want to dabble and who are getting off on it sexually, and maybe earn a little extra cash, not money they needed to survive, but money they could enjoy spending. Mad money, not sad money, which seems to be the case here. But like Bill Clinton could admit to smoking pot, but not inhaling, to smoking it, but deriving no pleasure from it. Someone running for office who gets outed for making and sharing a little porn can admit to doing it, at least in French-speaking Canada, but they can't refuse to apologize for it or admit to having enjoyed it and then refuse to apologize for it. With pot then, I smoked, I didn't inhale. With porn now, I appeared, I didn't get off. But one day, someone is going to say, I made porn, I enjoyed making it, I enjoyed sharing it. And isn't that the whole point? And hey, speaking of making and sharing porn and having fun and doing it for all the right reasons, the deadline for entering Hump 2023 is coming right up a few months away. Films have to be short, five minutes or less, but they don't have to be graphic. Erotica, animation, prop comedy, all have a place in Hump. And you don't have to be a professional filmmaker. Some of our favorite films every year, audience favorites, films that win Hump Awards, shot on cell phones by first-time filmmakers. Some Hump films tell a complete story in five minutes with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Others offer a quick glimpse in a minute or less of someone's erotic inner life or their bedroom or their relationships. There's no fee to enter Hump, and you can enter Hump from anywhere in the world. And every filmmaker whose movie gets into Hump gets a cut of every ticket sold. Go to humpfilmfest.com slash submit for all the info you need on making and submitting a film for Hump 2023. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro edition of the Savage Lovecast, tons of your cues, lots of my A, and on the Magnum, Dr. Carlton Thomas returns to take a couple of listener questions about monkeypox and a couple of listener questions about his usual specialty, butt stuff. And in this week's Savage Love, which you can read at savage.love slash savagelove, NPR's Peter Sagel, host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, NPR's news quiz show, drops by for a quickie. It's not his job, but he is good at it. Peter and more in this week's Savage Love. But first, this week's Savage Lovecast. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to $200 off all mattress orders at helixsleep.com savage. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Foria. Foria crafts 100% all-natural sexual wellness products so you can experience deeper intimacy and transcendent moments of sexual pleasure solo or with your partner or partners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash savage. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash savage. 
This episode is brought to you by DoorDash. Get food from your favorite restaurants, get groceries, get household essentials delivered right to your door. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code SAVAGE. Hi, Dan and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. I have a question about pornography and parents. I caught my father looking at porn about a year ago and realized that, yeah, he's in his mid to late 80s and he's still into that. Great. Good for him. I then asked him later if the reason that his computer wasn't functional anymore had something to do with his porn consumption habits and was he downloading pornography. And he admitted that, yes, he had, in fact, downloaded PDFs of pornography, which is just mind-boggling. And I said that he should not be downloading anything related to pornography, that there were websites where he could stream pornography. And would he be interested in some suggestions? And he said yes. And then I had some time to think about it, and I wondered if actually sending him those websites is a good idea. He has a sort of addictive personality to things on the computer. He already sits at the computer way too much, um, including just playing solitaire for hours on end. And so I wonder if I send him Xtube and RedTube, et cetera, and he hasn't found those on his own, am I kind of opening up Pandora's box? And am I just going to help him create a new problem that keeps him stuck at his computer at an age when he really should be up and walking around and being active and not being, you know, sucked into a screen? So on the one hand, he has a problematic behavior right now that is causing him problems for the functionality of his computer and potentially his personal information. On the other hand, I could be creating a new problem. A time in life comes when you parent your parents. I get so many questions from parents who want to direct their kids, their teenagers, usually their boys, to responsible places, relatively safe places to watch pornography on the internet. And it's just interesting that here's a question proving that maxim that a time in life comes when you begin to parent your parents where you're wanting or you're in a position where you're wondering whether you should direct your 85 five-ish year old dad towards some safe places where he can watch pornography. I think you should definitely do that. I think your concerns about your dad getting addicted to pornography or more addicted to his computer than he already is at his age are a little misplaced. Better your dad should be sitting at his computer playing solitaire and having the occasional wank or falling into a you know, porn rabbit hole than sitting on his couch watching fucking Fox News. I know so many people my age, people in their 40s and 50s, whose parents don't watch enough or any pornography, whose parents only watch right-wing hate porn on Fox News and OAN. If only their parents were watching Xtube and Pornhub or Make Love Not Porn. It's a great resource if you want your dad to watch more ethically produced pornography cindy gallup's website make love not porn check it out also erica lust's website erica lust is a porn producer and director and she creates a lot of ethically made porn and you can get your dad a membership at erica lust's website your dad might also want to check out 
humpfilmfest.com. You can direct him to these places. And if he spends a lot of time watching porn, even if he develops something of a porn addiction, at not that I think porn addiction is a real thing, even if he winds up spending more time watching porn than you think he should, it's none of your business. And what harm is it going to do him? Every minute he spends in front of his computer having a wank, popping Viagra and having a wank at his age is a minute he didn't spend in front of the television watching fucking Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. Take the win. Your call reminds me of this moment when my, I mean, it's a little darker. My grandfather was dying. He was in his 80s and he was dying of cancer. Maybe this has nothing to do with your dad's situation. Hopefully your dad is in perfect health and will live for another 85 years. But my aunt ended up having this ferocious argument with his doctor because he was in pain and being stoic about it and Catholic about it. And my aunt was demanding that they give him more and stronger pain medications. And the doctor said to my aunt, we're worried he might become addicted. And my aunt just about tore that doctor in two. Like, who fucking gives a shit? If he gets addicted to morphine at 85 when he's dying, what's the harm in that particular addiction? And I guess my argument to you right now and the reason I'm thinking about that scene in my grandfather's hospital room from so many decades ago is what's the harm? What's the harm in your dad spending more time watching porn than you think a dad should. Also, the only way you found out he was watching as much porn as he did is because he's downloading and is fucking up his computer and you're obviously his IT person too, like so many of us are for our parents. You will spend less time being his IT person if he's not downloading porn but streaming it safely on websites where it's safe to stream porn and it's not going to fuck up his computer. So even if he winds up watching more porn because you got him onto the streamers and onto sites like Erica Lust's and Cindy Gallup's Make Love Not Porn and My Hump Film Fest, you'll hear less about it. You'll find out less about it. You'll know less about it. So everybody will win. Your dad will be watching more and better porn more safely, and you will have to think about it a whole lot less. My question is regarding a partner who is submissive, truly submissive, not dominant, not into anal play with uh, me, the male partner, you know, we're both bi. Just curious about introducing more anal play that doesn't involve top or domination flavors, something that is more uh, aligned with a cis female who is more submissive and how to make her feel more comfortable with being involved with that sort of a thing. I guess it depends what you mean by anal play. Some people who aren't into anal rule out all anal play, anal stimulation, anal pleasure because they feel like they're on a slippery slope to anal penetration. And some people just aren't into being fucked or they gave it a try and they didn't like it or they just know that it's not for them. You don't have to necessarily give everything that you're pretty sure that you won't like a try to prove that you're you know, sexually adventurous, not sexually oppressed, uh, and then legitimately be able to say that you don't like it. I have never performed cunnilingus. I don't think I have to perform cunnilingus to say that I'm pretty certain that's not something 
that I would enjoy. It is legitimate when someone says, yeah, I am not into anal. That said, if you can disassociate, break the link that exists in so many people's minds between any anal play and getting fucked in the ass as the end point, if you can talk about and enjoy and put on the table anal pleasure and stimulation that doesn't require anal intercourse and where that's not your ulterior motive where that person isn't picking up subtle cues that that's where you would ultimately like it to go, someone who initially told you that they weren't into anal might be up for some anal stimulation. You know, you go down on somebody, you're going to spend some time below their genitals too, you know, behind their balls, licking their perineum. You know, if you're eating her pussy and you're going up and down, there's probably a moment where you're below her pussy and you're at her perineum. It is almost a cliche at times that people will accidentally wind up getting rimmed briefly and experience that as very, very pleasurable. I'm not saying like starting in her pussy and then sneak your tongue into her ass. I'm just saying that most people, even people who aren't into anal, may have had moments where there was accidentally anal in play and they were like, well, that's not entirely unpleasant. Still not something I would tell a partner I wanted to do or a place I wanted to go for fear that that would create expectations on my partner's behalf that, hey, I'm going to get to fuck this ass at some point. So you would have to very explicitly say to somebody who might be open to some experience of anal pleasure or stimulation, but never be interested in getting fucked in the ass that, you know, vibrating dildos can be sat on. They can be not pointed at an anus and shoved into it, but laid across and through a crack and then be, you know, the anus can be pressing onto it without it pressing into the anus. And that can be very, very pleasurable, even for someone who quote unquote isn't into anal. I would really want to unpack with you uh, before you approached your sub partner about this. And subs are allowed to have limits. I hope you didn't throw sub out there as if your female partner is somehow obligated by dint of being a submissive to come through with anal pleasure because it's what you as the dom wants. Subs can have limits, hard limits, and rule things out. And as a dom, you have to respect that. But I would really want to pin you down on this. What is, your, what, what, what is the motive here? Is your desire ultimately to get her to a place where she's begging you to fuck her in the ass or willing to let you fuck her in the ass? Well, then don't do this. Don't manipulate her by offering to explore anal pleasure and stimulation that's non-penetrative because what you really want is to penetrate that ass. You really want to hit that ass. You're going to have to let go of your desire to fuck her. Really let go of it. And if you can't really let go of it, don't go there at all. Don't bring it up at all because you don't want to see her having thundering orgasms because her anus is in play and then allow that to get your hopes up that she might want your dick in there too when it's already been established that she does not want that. So there's a couple of conversations you need to have here. One with her about why no butt stuff at all and is she aware that there's lots of butt stuff that you two could enjoy together? Light, not deep rimming, you know, toys laid across, not shoved in, 
uh, that she can bear down on but not be penetrated by and fucking and it doesn't have to be fucking but then there's a conversation you need to have with yourself where you really make an honest self-assessment about whether if it's butt fucking that you really wanted whether you can honestly and sincerely let go of that and not go into these interactions, you know, not go into an anal play session with her with consciously or subconsciously an ulterior motive about getting her to a place where you can reopen negotiations about penetrating her anally. Because if that is a hard limit that she has thrown out there, that she has put down, even as your sub, you're going to have to respect that. And if you can't respect that, then you're not a trustworthy Dom. And I think you want to be a trustworthy Dom. I like to think that all the Doms who call into my show are aspiring wannabe or actually are trustworthy Doms. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Euphoria, makers of products for amazing sex, the kind of sex you want to have. Products including arousal oil, clean lube, bath salts, and suppositories. People are literally saying things like this about Foria's products. This is a quote. I had a three-minute orgasm and then a five-minute orgasm and felt like I was surfing in a perpetual wave pool of pleasure. And another quote, we use Awaken, and when she gets on top, we both come so hard that we see sounds and hear colors. And it doesn't hurt when GQ calls you the best sex product of the year, and Shape says you are the best invention since the vibrator. Now, this is a little personal, but Terry and I tried the suppository and leave it to Foria to make suppositories sexy. They did it. I'm not sure what they put in there. I know there's CBD at least, but they have some serious love potion energy. So yeah, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting www.foriawellness.com slash savage or use the code savage at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash savage for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. You'll thank me later. Hi, Dan and the Tech Savvy at Rescue. I'm a 32-year-old cis female, Ken and Polly, living in the South, and I'm currently in a relationship, only one relationship, with a guy for about a year and a half. And for reasons that I talk about in therapy, this is the first romantic partner that I've ever loved. And that's all well and great. We only see each other about once a week because he has other partners and it works out for me with my schedule. So in between, I'm going to masturbate because I'm a highly sexual person. We're kinky. We do kinky things. But, like, you know, the very end, we're just going to end in pretty vanilla PIV sex. And so when I'm when I'm masturbating, I usually like to think about, like, kinky debaucherous things. That's what I like. But then recently, as of very recently, I've been finding myself, like, you know, in the middle. And then... In my mind, I'm thinking about by a man I love, by by the man that loves me, two becoming one, you know, real heteronormative vanilla shit, uh, and it really takes me out of the mood. So, one, is this what normal cishet, like, monogamous relationship people think is, like, in their sexualities, like, they do they really associate it with love? 
all the time. What are your thoughts as to why my brain is doing this and how can I either lean into it and make it sexy or I don't know, make it stop. Not that I don't like it. Like it makes me smile. It makes me happy. It makes me feel good to be in a loving relationship that I've never really had the opportunity for before. But also like, I need to get off in the middle of the week and love doesn't cut it then. Different things are sexy to different people. And a lot of what we find sexy are things that are transgressive. So you have a lot of crazy, kinky, fun, poly sex that you observe often ends in missionary position PIV on the floor. I have made that observation as well. You go to a crazy dungeon and there's all sorts of sex toys and slings and whatever else people might be doing to each other. At the very end, it often, the result, what it's all building to is PIV, missionary position, heterosexual vaginal intercourse on the floor with all the used toys scattered around or PIB, missionary position, gay intercourse uh, on the floor with all the toys that have been used scattered around the room. Often the kink, the props, the costumes are very elaborate foreplay that winds up in the same place people who aren't into kink or very elaborate foreplay, no props, no costumes, are also going. But what's what's transgressive is subjective and, and relative. There are probably a lot of people out there into missionary position vanilla intercourse who when they masturbate enjoy deeply fucked up transgressive thoughts or what they think are deeply fucked up, what you and I might think are just kind of crazy kinky or might objectively be deeply fucked up. I've heard from people who are 100% vanilla who when they masturbate think of vor, eating people, cannibalism, incest, all sorts of crazy, transgressive, fucked up, weird shit they would never want to do in real life, never want to inflict on anyone else or have inflicted on them. But there's something about thinking about these horrible things when they're alone and they're masturbating and they're not with a partner that just gets them off. And I think it's hilarious that there you are, kinky, poly with your boyfriend that you say that you love and you do all these crazy kinky things with him often ending in PIV on the floor at the end. And yet when you masturbate, your brain is taking you to a place that for you in your subjective experience, feels transgressive. And that place is something lovey dovey missionary position, ooey gooey affectionate, sex in the context of a sexually exclusive monogamous relationship for you that's transgressive for you that seems a little fucked up don't resist enjoy my advice to people who are 100% vanilla confident that they're vanilla and yet when they fantasize or read a dirty story they want something that's really fucked up is to allow those two things to exist side by side, that we are all of us a mass of contradictions. And this may be one way that you are or have become a little bit more self-contradictory. And rather than, you know, try to hammer out the rough edges, rather than trying to reconcile these contradictions, I think part of the human condition is to just say, hey, crazy, weird. This thing I would never want to do turns me on to fantasize about, to think about, 
the vanilla, ooey-gooey loving relationship you would never want to have turns you on to think about. In between those moments that you are enjoying the crazy, kinky, pan-poly relationship you actually do have. So, don't fight it. Enjoy it. Lean into it. Unless it's ruining your orgasms. Unless these fantasies of something far more heteronormative, far more lovey-dovey, off-the-shelf, standard-issue intimacy are preventing you from coming, then I would identify this as not a sexual fantasy that turns you on, but an intrusive thought that turns you off. And if you're having problems with intrusive thoughts that ruin sex or ruin your day, cognitive behavioral therapy. But if you're not having a problem, if you are able to get off, let yourself get off by not sitting there saying, why is this turning me on? Ah!" And you're able to come. It's not an intrusive thought. It's a sexy transgressive thought. And you should just lay back and enjoy it. I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you. I know a lot about you guys. You talk to me all the time. If you're like me, you've been seeking comfort wherever you can find it. Thank goodness we have our Helix mattress. Actually, Helix mattresses in the primary bedroom and the guest bedroom too at home. They're there to receive us every night. My Helix mattress is our sanctuary and you should have one too. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup offers 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. Everybody is unique and everybody sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. They have models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side, models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions, plus, and I love these, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It's the perfect combination of comfort and support. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz and I was matched with a Midnight Lux mattress because I wanted something that has medium firmness and Terry and I both tend to move around a lot at night. I don't even want to remember our old mattress, our old mattresses, good riddance to them. Not only is our Helix mattress the best I've ever slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box straight to your door for free. Plus, Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. If you don't love it, and I know you will, but if you don't, they will pick it up and give you a full refund. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage. That's helixsleep.com slash savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Hi, Dan. I'm an 18-year-old cis female. My boyfriend and I have been together for about 10 months and are quite in love. We're currently the long distance too. We told us first and continue to communicate after every time we have sex about what was good and what was sort of lacking. So he always finishes, and the only way I finish is with a toy during sex, which I don't find very fulfilling. 
we feel like we've tried everything, but maybe there's something we're missing and that you could suggest. If I really think all oh, orgasm during sex, are there ways we can like heighten the experience so that I can feel more of the intense feeling he does, like via physical sensation? It's really great that you and your boyfriend are able to communicate about sex the way you do. And I have a few suggestions on how you might ramp up or improve your orgasms. But my first kind of broad and general suggestion is to reassure you. You've only been sexually active for 10 months. It's a long distance relationship. Don't know how often you and your boyfriend are getting together. You're still growing into your sexuality, into what your body is capable of, into the pleasures that you can experience. And so that you're not quite having, and stop comparing your orgasms to his, you're not having orgasms at the intensity level that you know, that you intuit, that you, you know, really know deep down you could be having. Give yourself some time and some space as you get more experienced to grow into those kinds of orgasms. My first bit of practical advice for you would be to stop regarding, quote, having to use a toy as some sort of failure. It's entirely possible that if you weren't standing outside yourself, observing yourself during sex and feeling like you failed somehow when the toy comes into play after he gets off to get you off, you might enjoy those orgasms that you're having with your boyfriend, with the assistance of that toy, more if you weren't being so self-critical about how you're obtaining those orgasms. I don't know how long you've been listening to the show. We've talked about this a lot on the show. There are women who can't come basically without, well, not basically, literally, without uh, the assistance of a vibrator. Most of your clitoral tissues are deep inside your body. And for some women, direct clitoral stimulation to the exposed part of the clitoris, the glands, during intercourse or you know, using their own fingers during intercourse or with a tongue, that's enough. But other women, the clitoral tissues that really need sensation, really need to be stimulated to get them to climax, are a part of the clitoral shaft, are deeper in the body. And it really is the vibrator that best hits those. And it may be that you're that kind of woman. It may be that you're the kind of woman who's always going to require that vibrator to hit the clitoral tissues that you need to hit, that you need to stimulate in order to climax. And if that's true, you will have to accept and love your body and accept and love how it works and be grateful that you have a partner who isn't one of those insecure, testosterone-soaked dick monsters, mailbags, a slop, who thinks you're deficient or broken because you need a vibrator. You don't say that your boyfriend has any hangups about it. It sounds like the hangups are yours. And I think you should let go of those. That said, you know, at 18 years old and only 10 months sexually active with a partner, I don't want to at this point say that you're one of those women whose superpower is deep clitoral stimulation. That's how I come. And the vibrator is the best way to get me there. Those women aren't broken. There's nothing wrong with them. But at this point, we don't know if that's who you are. And I think you should give it a little bit more time. You may want to set the toy aside every once in a while uh, and not so quickly at this point. I don't want to say resort to it because it makes the toy sound like 
a failure at, at this point not be not so quick to call in the you know the heroic cavalry that is your toys or your vibrators and stick to fingers and tongues and positioning you you know you say you're experimenting you're only 10 months sexually active your boyfriend may be as inexperienced as you are sexually what is the kind of stimulation that you're getting when you use a toy where are you getting it are the positions that you're having sex in uh, the charming intercourse with your boyfriend in are they hitting your clitoral glands the exposed part of your clitoris in the same way that you're able to hit them when you pull out that toy and if not you should experiment with different positions. You could also experiment with toys, different kinds of toys, maybe some smaller bullet vibrators that can be used, weaponized, positioned, deployed during intercourse. So as he's building toward his orgasm, you can be building toward your orgasm and maybe your orgasms would be more intense and more all-body pleasurable if... Uh, not, you know, coming simultaneously, that's overrated. But if you were coming near to when he is coming, when the sex or the intercourse, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy penetrative sex, is at its most intense physically and psychologically. And that would be my last bit of advice. Psychologically, you know, I hope you're engaging in a ton of foreplay. I hope you've you masturbate on your own sometimes and you're an expert on your own orgasmic uh, you know response cycles plateaus on your approach to orgasm i also hope you're engaging you know it's a cliche the largest sex organ that we have which is the one between our ears is the not just what you're doing physically but is the story that's being told when you two are intimate when you're with your boyfriend is the narrative that you guys are creating erotically together is it engaging your fantasy life is it fulfilling you know is it sexy is it arousing not just you know hitting the marks physically but hitting the marks psychologically is your erotic imagination engaged not just your physical self not just your body what turns you on is that also a part of it because that can be really transformative but having that overlay of of a narrative arc while you're also experiencing all those pleasurable sensations being you know given and received with someone that you are attracted to it can really take that orgasm from good to great you're a busy person you've got back-to-back meetings errands to run chores to take care of what's the secret to clearing your to-do list and leaving a little extra time for yourself to do the things you'd like to do how about a little help from doordash you can get dinner household essentials and everything on your grocery list delivered to you along with great food from restaurants you love you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household essentials in under an hour. Every time you place an order for pickup or delivery from your favorite neighborhood spots, you're setting off a chain reaction that helps give back to the people who make your neighborhood unique. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants. With DoorDash, you're not just getting the things you love, you're supporting the community you love too. From the stores and restaurants to the dashers driving around, each purchase provides a new opportunity for everyone involved because with DoorDash, there is a neighborhood of good in every order. 
For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code SAVAGE. Don't forget to use the code SAVAGE for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey, Dan. I am a 42-year-old lesbian in Texas. I have two questions. I just got out of a short relationship with a woman that I vibed with so hard on so many levels and best sex of my life. We brought out this very natural domination and submission in each other, but I just needed more than she could give me. So with regards to that, I want to know, as I am pursuing ways to get under somebody else, does it ruin the whole thing if I'm thinking about her while under somebody else? And my second question is that I am very heavily tattooed and I know that taking nudes and sending them to people without your face is to conceal your identity to a certain extent. I really can't do that. I'm very identifiable. So do I just say fuck it and send the nudes or is there a certain kind of limit or question I should have answered in my mind before I send them? Well, it's not going to ruin it for me if you're thinking about your ex-girlfriend while you're under somebody else. And it won't ruin it for the somebody you're under so long as you are just maybe thinking about your ex-girlfriend, not pining for your ex-girlfriend, certainly not talking about your ex-girlfriend. But if you have this recent really intense sexual experience and having that playing in the porn theater in your head while you're having sex with somebody else helps make the sex you're having with that somebody else more arousing or helps uh, get you to the point of orgasmic inevitability and to climax, yeah, you can certainly go there. We can all go wherever we want or need to go in our heads when we're having sex with people. Uh, That can, you know, some people don't want to do that because they want to feel present and in the moment. Uh, Please read Dr. Lori Broda's terrific book on mindfulness uh, uh, during sex. That might help people who, you know, go there, think about other people, think about other things, think about past experiences or planned or hoped for future experiences and have a hard time being in the moment. But briefly, like thinking about something, having it run through your head while you're having sex, if it's not bothering you and the person you're fucking isn't bothered by it because you're smart enough not to tell them about it, then I don't think that that's a problem. As for the tattoos and the photographs and the swapping of pics, which is pretty standard these days for people to want to see pics, especially if they're meeting on a hookup app for sex, depends. Depends on how upset you would be. If you wind up sharing photos with somebody who's a malicious piece of shit photo collector who's going to put them all over the internet, you're 42 years old. Uh, I assume you're established, uh, have a job, have a career, have a life. Would it be consequential? Would you be at risk of losing your job if your photos were recognized on the internet by an employer? Would it cause problems with your family if they were recognized by your family? Or, you know, an even shittier circumstance, you were the victim of revenge porn and somebody who was just an asshole who wanted to blow up your life found your pictures or got your pictures from you and sent them to your employer or your family or your neighbors If that's too terrible to contemplate, well, then maybe sending pictures with your identifying characteristics with those tattoos on them to people you barely know or don't know at all 
Maybe that's one of those low probability, unlikely to happen, but high consequence risks, you know, high consequence events that you won't, you don't want to take that risk, but only you can make that call. I will say though, however, you know, we live in a world where people are sharing their photographs all the time. There are people who have shared photos maliciously, engaged in revenge porn. That's why we have revenge porn statutes now in most states because people did that. But when you pause to consider the numbers of photos, intimate dirty photos being shared every day by people who know each other, people in long-term relationships, by people who don't know each other and might never meet each other, it actually, if you look at it from a different angle, there's not as much revenge porn going on out there as there could be. I think incidents of revenge porn, you know, people sharing photographs with malicious motherfuckers, whether they know them or not, exes or strangers, is a very, very low risk. It's a low probability event that you will share your photos with somebody who will plaster them all over the internet. But we've certainly gotten calls from people in the past who that exact thing happened to. What is your tolerance for or appetite for that risk? Only you can make that call. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, let's read some listener tweets. Stella Oatwill tweets, why is it I cannot remember major plot points from books I teach annually, but I can return to a half-heard episode of the Savage Lovecast after a two-week break and instantly remember the details of the question Dan Savage is answering. I don't know, Stella, but if I had to venture a guess, maybe my calls are more interesting than the books you're teaching. Sex coach Shannon tweets, to the bi-curious MMF seekers on the Savage Lovecast this week, learn to find hot, sexy joy in the search. Accept that there's a chance you'll never live out this fantasy and keep trying anyway while getting off on the idea that it could happen someday. Also, go to play parties. That's really good advice. We spend a lot more time looking for sex than having it. So learning to enjoy the hunt, always a good idea. And finally, Oscar Von Seth tweets, Dan, just wanted to let you and the rest of North America know that as of last Saturday, Sweden should never be referred to as a model country again, since the openly racist homophobic Nazi party here got over 20% of the vote in our election. Yeah, the election that just went down in Sweden was disturbing. The far-right anti-immigrant Sweden Democrats won 20.5% of the vote, which is disgusting and disturbing when you consider that this party was literally founded by neo-Nazis in 1988 and is now going to be in government. Still hopeful that Sweden will kick these far-right assholes out of the government, right to the curb, like Austria did with their far-right-wing idiots a couple of years ago. And frankly, as an American, I can't sneer at Sweden. Your sex ed, still better than ours, and it would be a cause for celebration around here if our openly racist, openly homophobic party, that is the Republican Party, was going to get just 20% of the vote in the midterms coming up here. All right, if you want to hear your tweet come out of my mouth, tweet about something you heard on the show, and use the hashtag SavageLovecast. And as ever, a big thank you to everyone who posted about the show to your social media this week. Help spread the word. We really appreciate it. Now, listener response calls. Hi, Dan. This is a response call for episode 829, the caller whose husband... Uh, who had been in a marriage for 13 years, whose husband had never gotten her off and wanted to center his pleasure in her orgasm. Um, while I agree with your response that it's, he sounds like a 
slop of insecure man-child, I think something you missed was that she said that maybe due to her lingering Catholic guilt, she didn't really want to tell him how to, how to pleasure her. She said that she wanted him to take online sex education about how to pleasure women and essentially just try a bunch of stuff. And, you know, that's some bullshit. You know, you need to be able to tell people what pleasures you, as, as you, Dan, always say. And you can't just expect your, your partner to figure it out, you know, take some online classes and then be able to do what pleasures you. She needs to talk to him. She needs to tell him, you know, if they're going to stay together. Hey, Dan and co. I was listening to you talk about ruined orgasms on episode 829, and I know you love the expression orgasmic inevitability. There was a moment you were trying to encapsulate when you were talking about the ongoing stimulation the penis needs to continue through to orgasm. And there's a brilliant expression for this that I learned from the Twitter account Fesshole. That expression is the vinegar strokes. Admittedly, it's usually used by men when talking about masturbation. Example. I was knocking one out this morning when I realized I was late for work. Since I was almost at the vinegar strokes, I finished off and was able to just catch my bus in time. But I think the vinegar strokes can be applied to any pre-orgasmic friction, whether solo or partnered. The vinegar strokes. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Use the voice memo app on your phone to record your question or your comment and email it to us at voicemail at savagelovecast.com or you can always call us at 206-302-2064. Atlanta, Kansas City, and Victoria, you can see Hump on the big screen this weekend. Not one of those cities. You can stream Hump at home until October 16th. Go to humpfilmfest.com right now for your tickets. Love the Lovecast? Well, you will love the t-shirts. They are really gorgeous. And you can order yourself one at savage.love slash shop. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Dr. Carlton Thomas on Instagram at Dr. Carlton. And if you don't care who you follow, if you're a promiscuous follower, go follow the tech-savvy at-risk youth at Lovecast, T-S-A-R-Y. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We'll all be back at you next week for an installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading.